Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about a new gene editing tool that could be safer and more useful than CRISPR, the Victorian era equivalent of emoji, and why night shift screen settings don't really help you sleep. Let's satisfy some curiosity. So, Ashley, we're starting the week pretty late, right? You've got a fluffy little story about, uh, what was it again? The future of the human race? (laughs) I mean, let's not go overboard here. But on the scale of things, this is actually a pretty big deal. Yeah, pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. Cool. Yeah, so you've heard us talk about CRISPR-Cas9. That's a method of gene editing that revolutionized the concept of genetic engineering. It's sometimes described as a genetic cut and paste tool that can cut out any gene you want, which enables scientists to create brand new genomes. As big of a deal as it is, though, it turns out that CRISPR has its problems. Luckily, new research suggests that there might be a better way. As a refresher, CRISPR-Cas9 is a programmable protein. It's like a dog that can be shown a series of letters that comprise a particular genetic sequence and then sniff that sequence out of an incredibly large genome. When it finds it, it bites, which breaks the DNA. That's how scientists have been able to do everything from eliminating HIV from infected cells to creating new non-GMO crops. CRISPR is incredibly precise, but it has some weaknesses. When you edit a genome, your goal is often to insert new information. And CRISPR is absolutely terrible at this. I mean, it's great at cutting DNA, but the rest of the technique relies on the cell's own DNA repair mechanisms to insert the genetic sequence you want it to. That's not easy to do. And even when it's successful, it takes a really long time to engineer a large number of cells. But scientists have recently developed something that lets them edit genes with no cutting required. It involves using retrons, which are little sequences of bacterial DNA, not robots that wear bell-bottoms. While most DNA sequences are translated into proteins, retrons are translated into free-floating, single-stranded DNA segments. As described in a recent paper, Harvard scientists found out that they could load bits of circular DNA called plasmids with retron sequences of their own design. They embedded a retron with a gene for antibiotic resistance, along with special proteins that glue DNA strands together. Then they injected the whole thing into E. coli bacteria. Soon, the dividing bacterial cell made copies of the new gene from the retron while the gluing protein tucked those free-floating strands into the daughter cell's genome, all without ever making a cut. Because there are no cuts, this technique is thought to be safer than CRISPR. And because it can be used in many cells at once, experiments using the technique are faster and easier. Not only that, but these researchers also figured out how to barcode these mutations in a technique called Retron Library Recombineering, or RLR. That lets them screen the entire pool of cells at once to figure out which ones have the mutations, which makes experiments even faster. CRISPR was definitely a game changer for genetic engineering, but with retrons at our disposal, it may have just been the beginning. Emoji are supposed to add meaning to a message, but sometimes they just cause confusion. I mean, does that winky face mean they're joking or are they flirting? It's hard to know. 
Well, believe it or not, lovers from the Victorian era faced the same issue. Only instead of emoji, they filled bouquets with specific flowers that had hidden meanings. If you lived in the Victorian era, it would be crucial to learn this flower language, which was known as floriography. For instance, if someone sends you a bouquet of lupins, hollyhocks, white heather, and ragged robin, they're impressed with your wit, and they wish you good luck in everything you do. Aww. And if you get hydrangeas, you're heartless. And if you get delphinium, you're haughty. A combo of oleander and bird's foot trefoil says, Beware my revenge. Who knew a beautiful bouquet had such potential to be passive-aggressive? It's sort of like a smiley face after an insult, which is the worst. This trend was said to have started in the 1700s with Lady Mary Wortley Montague, a famed Victorian letter writer and feminist poet. She drew her inspiration from the Turkish Selam, a form of floral language used by harem women to communicate in private, kind of like using pig Latin with your siblings in front of a babysitter. Flowers and harems both seemed sexy, and many upper-class Victorians were fascinated by the exotic East, so floriography quickly caught on. So much so that nearly a hundred flower dictionaries were published in the 18th and 19th centuries. Authors including Jane Austen, Emily Dickinson, and Charlotte Bronte all used floral symbolism in their writing. But sadly, floriography lost its allure during World War I, Apparently, people had better things to do than research the hidden meaning behind white roses. Spoiler, it's disinterest in carnality. However, Duchess Catherine of Cambridge brought some vintage charm to her wedding in 2011 by incorporating flowers that represented love, marriage, and a shared interest in sports, as well as sweet William, meaning gallantry, and a nod to her beloved Prince William. So instead of sending ambiguous emoji the next time you'd like to dissuade a suitor, try delivering yellow roses to say, let's just be friends. I mean, hey, at least they'll have flowers, right? Most phones nowadays have a night shift setting. You know, that thing that makes the screen turn an amber color when the sun goes down in order to help you sleep? That's the idea anyway. But according to a new study, that might be all it is, an idea. Night shift screen settings might not actually help you sleep. People have believed that blue light was keeping us from sleeping for at least a decade. The belief has been that blue light from electronic screens disrupts melatonin production and messes with our sleep cycle. As a result, companies began developing apps that could reduce blue light coming from the screen. The concept was probably some magical thinking. I mean, the idea that if our screens switch to warmer colors after sunset, we can just keep staring at them and not change our habits and then get better sleep. Yeah. Eventually, Apple and Android phones built a night shift setting right into their operating systems. And now most smartphones have some sort of night mode that claims to reduce blue light and help us sleep. But here's the problem. While we had some evidence that short wavelength light from electronic screens did disrupt our sleep, it wasn't totally clear that a night mode setting made it better. Now, researchers from BYU have tested whether or not night mode can actually help us sleep. For the study, 18 to 24-year-olds spent eight hours in bed wearing an accelerometer to measure their sleep. Some people used their iPhones at night with Apple's night shift on, 
Some used their iPhones without night shift on, and some didn't use their phones at all. Then the researchers measured how quickly the participants fell asleep, how long they slept, and how well they slept. The researchers found not much difference across the three categories. In people who slept around seven hours every night, there was a slight difference in sleep quality based on their phone use. But night mode didn't make a difference. People who went to sleep without using their phones before bed did sleep better than both those who used night shift and those who didn't, but only slightly. Based on this study, it seems like people fall asleep when they're tired, regardless of whether they use their phones or read a book. If you really want to talk about how phones impact our sleep, the extra stimulation of texting and scrolling and taking in new information probably plays a bigger role than the blue light. So if you really want to fall asleep and stay asleep, just put your phone away. Like Ashley does. I do. I still do it. It's still a game changer. Best thing I ever did. Yep. Let's recap all the fascinating things we learned today to wrap up. Starting with the fact that Retron Library Recombineering, or RLR, is a new gene editing tool that researchers think will be safer and more useful than CRISPR. There are no cuts involved like there are in CRISPR, and it can scale to be used on lots of cells at once. So RLR experiments are faster and easier than CRISPR ones. Gene editing has a bright future. I know this is a very complicated story, but... It's pretty exciting. I mean, CRISPR itself is complicated, but the idea that you can actually change a gene in a living cell and change some trait about it is really exciting on its face. And the fact that we can do that in a better way that's maybe safer and faster is just huge. I'm down. And we learned that in the Victorian era, floriography was the language of flowers. Nearly a hundred flower dictionaries were published and used by several famous authors. These Victorian-era emoji fell out of fashion around World War I, but nobody said you're not allowed to use them if you're feeling romantic or passive-aggressive, depending on the situation. There are online floriography dictionaries, so go to town. Yeah. And we also learned that night shift screen settings might not actually help you sleep. If you want better sleep, just put your phone away. Keep your phone away from your bed. And while we're talking about this, there are also lots of products like glasses. They, they claim to protect your eyes from blue light as if like blue light is actually harming your eyes instead of just making it hard for you to sleep. And there's no evidence for that either. Just, you know, use judgment. If your eyes are getting tired from a screen, stop looking at a screen. Like it's just it's it's those simple fixes that are really the ones that'll work. That's what my optometrist told me when I got contacts last year. I asked him, should I get blue light blocking contacts? And he said, you know, the majority of the time, people's eyes just get tired because they're looking at a screen and they're not blinking enough. So use eye drops and that's going to have a greater impact, you know, even if the blue blocking stuff does help. Even if it does, it's not nearly to the degree that just having your eyes open does. So, right. Yeah. If someone's trying to sell you something expensive to fix a simple problem, you know, try try the simple fix first. See if that works. <laughs> there you go. Today's writers were Cameron Duke, Anna Todd, and Kelsey Donk. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer. Our producer and audio editor is Cody Goff. Keep your phone away from your bed. But even if you don't, you can sleep well tonight knowing that you can join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. 